Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Heroes, the film podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have with me just one of my lovely hosts this week, and that's Ryan. Hey, buddy. I'm not lovely this week, but hi. I'm very (laughs) disheveled. So if you're not in the live stream, then you're missing out on the most homeless looking Ryan you've seen in a while. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. I mean, I think you look fine. I mean, my my beard's a little intense because I haven't shaved in a while. But, no, but your head is very, very shiny. Uh, my head is, is a little shaved. I shaved it yesterday, so it's a little stubbly. But oh, okay, well, it looks looks good from here. Well, I've got the touch up appearance on, you know, so you can't. That you can't see I do too, but it's not like. helping me. <laughs> you just need more light. You need right. more light. That's that's, that's what, what it is. Yeah. So it's just the two of us. Ray Ray's taking the week off. She may be back next week. May maybe the week after. We'll kind of have to play it by ear. But we. Uh, we we Ray and I have a kid now. That's a thing. Yeah. We, have a, we have a daughter. There's a there's a live offspring in the mayor household. Yeah, it's true. It's real. She's real. She's here. Deal with it. That's right. <laughs> um, and and uh, she's named after one of the best gelflings I've ever known in my life. I mean, I've only known a handful, but I mean, yeah. it's not t- the name is it's. I know it's a Star Trek thing, also, but. Well, it's, it's both. both. It's both. Yeah, it's absolutely both. Uh, and that played a, a role in it. But yeah, her, her name is Kira. So which is Kira. the best Gelfling to name your kid after. Probably. <laughs> I oh, think Bray so. is pretty cool. There's some other cool ones, but yeah, Bray I don't is know. Cool. Jen is kind of a boring name. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry for all the Jens out there. But uh, yeah, so she's named after after that character as well as Major Kira Nerese in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So kind of dual dual nerd Deep guts yeah absolutely i think i think the dark crystal kira is a little bit more of a deep cut than the star really? trek kira well because i mean in star trek she was one of the principal cast members for seven seasons you know so. oh, that's fair yeah Versus... and not, <laughs> dark crystal is from 1982 and nobody that's younger than like 35 knows what that is <laughs> right exactly so, yeah you know and you know not, she's not in the the prequel series right Netflix, which is the only so. thing anybody knows about apparently they don't even know there's a movie which is sad because the movie is fantastic agreed but you know anyway let's let's continue on though so this week what are we doing so ryan and i thought it would be fun just to talk a 
about Ghostbusters a bunch, mainly because it's one of Ryan's favorite fandoms. I love Ghostbusters. We both cosplay Ghostbusters and all those types of things. So we thought this would be it's it's spooky. It's it's October. It's our first October episode of the year. So we'll go we'll go with some Ghostbusters stuff. But, you know, before we dive into that, we have news. So let's talk news. Uh, We'll get the sad news out of the way because I know Ryan's really bummed about this, but Glow has been officially canceled, even though its final its its final season was already in production. Yeah, they completed uh, photography for the first episode, principal photography or whatever it's called. So yeah, it's really unfortunate. If you haven't watched Glow, or if you haven't listened to the show before, yes, I love Glow. I think it's a wonderful show. I'm not really into wrestling, but it's a, just a really well-made um, and fun show. And it's really disappointing that they've got they got another season and then they took it away. And Netflix really lately is, I mean, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know why I'm subscribed at this point. It's tough because they're losing the office. They just lost Parks and Rec this, this month, Yep. Um, which those two shows are, were constantly on repeat for me. And I mean, that's a tough one for a lot of people, but then they canceled Age of, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. They canceled the fourth season of Glow. They canceled all the Marvel shows. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing some, but they've, they are just irritating me right now. And that what shows are worth watching stranger things. And like the Witcher, I think are the only two really that I'm, I'm excited about at this point. So yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. And I'm with you on those completely. And we don't even know when those seasons would hit anyway. So like you could probably go nine months without Netflix before either of those seasons drops. Right. And with the way Netflix drops stuff, they do it all at once. So you could just spend a weekend and, and knock that out and be done with it. Uh, and, you know, like that might be like these are the shows that impact us personally. But across the board, Netflix has recently done this where they've officially reordered a show and then canceled it. And yeah. that as a fan has got to be worse than just canceling a show. You know, I mean, for Glow, this is my first experience with it. And yeah, I mean, if they had done this with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if ABC had done that, like announced because they announced at the same time they were getting season six and season seven. If they had canceled season seven, I would have been pissed. And in this one, I'm not as big of a fan of Glow as I was of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I am a fan. And yeah, it sucks. And this is the first time I've ever had that happen. So, yeah, I don't it's a new feeling for me and I don't like it. It's unfortunate. You know, they're, they're using COVID as the explanation for it because of the close contact required in Glow, since it is you know a base a, a show about wrestling. But I mean, they could have just delayed it. There's not really a reason to cancel it outright unless they really just wanted to cut loose those expenses. I have no idea what that show costs to produce. You know, for a variety of reasons, Netflix is not super transparent about those types of things. But I can't imagine it's one of their more expensive shows when you look at like. You look at The Witcher, you look at Stranger Things, where there's massive special effects and monster type creatures and you know things of that nature. I can't imagine Glow is up there as far as budget. No, but it is a period piece. So, I mean, you know, that's you true. have to, you know, that's expensive. But so is Stranger Things. And then on top of that, it's also the sci-fi epic with a lot of special effects. So I don't really, yeah, I can't imagine that that's a good excuse in this case. I don't know. And because of all the streaming wars that have happened now, and now you've got Peacock running and they've got their parks and rec back and you know, HBO has got a ton of stuff planned that they've got in the works. You would think that Netflix would want to keep anything popular going to give people a reason to say subscribe because I'm in the same boat as you right now. I'm looking at all of my streaming services and I don't know why I'm keeping Netflix. 
I've also kept Disney Plus though, and I haven't. The last thing I watched on that was like the, I think it was The Mandalorian. Uh, well, so I don't yeah. know why I still have that. I'm just really bad at canceling things when I'm not watching them, apparently. But it is important to note that at normal price, Disney Plus is still half the price That's of Netflix. True. And for me, we've got it bundled with Hulu, so it really only costs me a penny because we got it free through Verizon. So you know that's Netflix, fine you but... don't get that same justification right netflix is the second most expensive streaming service after hbo max and i use hbo max on a regular basis so you know it has more stuff that i'm currently watching I'm, I'm, we we rewatched friends they've got all the dc content and now i'm rewatching fresh prince of bel-air they're gonna have the bel-air reunion special and those types of things that keep me interested in it until you know we get to see titans and doom patrol return and that that sort of thing. Yeah, we definitely watch Hulu way more than we watch Netflix at this point, especially now that Parks and Rec and is gone because you know, The Office is fine too, but um, Parks and Rec is a little lighter. I think that The Office has a lot of stuff that's questionable at this point. Um, yes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's with, with those gone. I don't know what's what why I'm keeping it around. I don't even think we have a release date for Stranger Things or The Witcher at this point, season two. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's it. That's Glow. Glow is no more. I uh, feel bad for everybody who was really into that. I kept meaning to watch it. I just never got around to it. And now I'll have even less of a reason to do so, which is a shame because I've heard really nothing but good things about it. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, let's let's talk some Disney stuff and then we'll move over to the Warner Brothers world. We've got two big pieces of news for Disney. First, apparently Disney Plus is going to do a Nick Fury series starring samuel l jackson and you know that's not like the most shocking thing in the world right because he's been a huge part of the mcu but ryan i'm curious what would you want to see from a nick fury show is there a particular time period or story arc or anything like that that you would prefer Uh, i'd prefer them not to do a nick fury show because there's so many other characters that are way more interesting than nick fury um He's, I don't know, I, for me, I mentioned Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm a bigger fan of that and those characters than I am of um, of Nick Fury specifically. He was on that show a couple of times, but uh, I would rather see like a Quake show. Um, I think she was great on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, you know, there's so many other characters that they could do. And Nick Fury is like the least interesting one for the, for them to pick, in my opinion. I like Samuel L. Jackson, but... I don't know what they're going to show that would be interesting. Yeah, it's it's a fair question. My thought process is that he's a little cheaper because he doesn't have superpowers. Right. Sure. But I mean, they're giving a movie budget to everything they're doing anyway. I mean, I don't know. Does uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier don't have superpowers? I mean, well, I mean, to an extent they do in that, like, you've got like a jet suit with wings where you can fly and then. Sure. And Nick Fury has like big guns and like he has the the little cube thing that has holograms come out of it. And he has all these other things, you know, I I mean, he's got access to all this advanced tech and everything else, too. So I I don't think that's any more ridiculous than the wingsuit. Yeah, maybe not. I, I don't know what the budget is for this show. We really know very little about it at this point. And we don't know when it takes place either. So there is a chance it could be very expensive because if it follows Spider-Man Far From Home and spoiler alerts for the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, but Nick Fury is not even on Earth. 
he's way out in space, you know, with uh, sword. Uh, sword. Yeah. So you, know, you can end up needing spaceships and aliens and do stuff with with the Kree and all of that. And uh, they have other characters they could do that same stuff with. That would be really cool. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I'd rather I like the the other shows. You know, Moon Knight, She Hulk, all these other shows that we're getting that are introducing new heroes that are maybe lesser known to the general public. Um, I think Nick Fury they're just doing because they have a big actor attached to it, and why not? You know, that, which is fine if they yeah. can make it good, then whatever. But it's just not. That's my least anticipated show at this point with with everything else coming out. Even the Modoc show, which apparently is still happening. I would be more excited for that than a Nick Fury show. Yes. <laughs> so the the Modoc show is is still happening. I only know this because the, there's virtual panels. Is this the Offenders show. No, because Modoc was supposed to be the villain. In the, I think in I the think Offenders. they're two. I think they're two different shows. Okay. I mean, but I thought I, I remembered reading that like they did each of the Offender, or they were going to do each of the Offenders and that bring them all together and modok was going to be the villain for the show like they mm-hmm. did with the netflix shows but then they canceled those shows so i don't know i'm not sure i just know that the voice cast is doing some panels together and that includes Patton oswald it includes melissa Fermero uh, and uh ben schwartz so that just caught my eye because i like all three of them yeah so. all right well the other piece of marvel news has to do with spider-man apparently Spider-Man 3 is going to include Electro and not just Electro, but Jamie Foxx as Electro. Those who don't remember, he played Electro in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. What the hell are they doing? (laughs) I mean, they're trying to make a multiverse. Obviously, they're trying to beat DC to the punch at this point, and they're probably going to. Um, Well, it depends how you define it. DC's already done it. Well, I mean, I'm more mean in the cinematic universe. I'm not talking about in the in the TV shows. Uh, you know, they had a certain fandom, and you could argue that it crossed over with the, the the cinematic universe. But whatever, you know what I mean. In the movies, making a multiverse. Um, although all that gets a little fuzzy with the Disney shows and stuff like that. I mean, it's is that are those movies or TV? You know what I mean? It's movie budgets. But uh, yeah, it's a weird thing. I mean, they're obviously trying to make a multiverse. Like Kevin Feige has come out and said that you know, the, that Spider-Man is the one that can cross between universes um, based on the deal with Sony. So they're obviously trying to do that. It's it's an odd choice, but Jamie Foxx is a good actor and he was oh, not yeah. utilized super well um, in Amazing Spider-Man 2. It does make me angry, though, because some people that watch the show may know that I, as a hobby, buy, buy uh, props and costumes and stuff like that. Like this one's a screen-used costume and I have some other ones. But... Uh, I bid on a couple of Electro pieces in an auction recently from Amazing Spider-Man 2 from Jamie Foxx, and I did not get them because I was like, oh, you know what? This seems too expensive, but now those are going to go way up in value. So, yeah, I'm a little irritated, but I did manage to get an Oscorp uh, scrub top, so that's cool. That is cool. But how could you have possibly guessed? It's from the Tobey Maguire ones, too. Oscorp scrub top is. That's cool. That's cool. But there's no way. You can't beat yourself up on that. It's it's one of those things like I could never have guessed that in a million right. years, but it was literally like a month ago. So I was, <laughs> I, it's fresh in my mind and frustrating. It's such a crazy concept. And don't get me wrong. I love multiverse stuff. So if they pull this off and it's good, then great. I'm not going to complain at all. It just was so out of left field that they would bring him back for this since the movies were not well received. 
you would think that if they're going to bring anything over, it would be from the Tobey Maguire, the first two Tobey Maguire films. Right. You know, but I, what I do. I said it's a multiverse thing, but the thing that makes that a little suspicious is that he's not blue in this one. Right. He came out on his Instagram and shared a picture and shared that he's not going to be blue in this one. So which is fine. Uh, but it, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, he was blue. So if they were truly trying to go for a multiverse, then they, I would think they would try and do a similar look to what he had in the in that movie. So I don't know. I could be way off base there. I assume that's why they were doing it. Or they just really like him as an actor. I and, guess, but you'd think they'd find a different role for him because I think it would be confusing. Is another Spider-Man movie? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. It, it's fine. He's a great actor. What, I, I'm not fully confident in the movie just because uh, it's a Sony deal and not an MCU deal. Although I know they get some say in it, but with this new negotiation, I'm pretty sure Sony has more power over everything. And I'm worried that they're going to try and cram too much shit in this like they did with Spider-Man 3. Certainly possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't like throw that out as an impossibility, right? We've seen them do it. It's the same company and they're already seemingly making this complicated into the spider verse is brilliant and incredible. And I think they may be trying to do something similar in a live action. Seems and I, likely. I don't know how practical that is. The CW can pull it off in the Arrowverse because it can be cheesy as hell. And because right? they had like five seasons of multiple shows that people knew characters from. So they could easily do that. Oh, sure. But you can get away with Brandon Routh flying off as Superman winking at the camera or whatever because it's the CW. And I don't know that you can get away with that type of corniness in a tentpole blockbuster. Well, I mean, the only thing beyond the multiverse thing that I can think of is that this is an easy introduction for the character. Because, I mean, they're obviously trying to set up the Sinister Six. Right, right. right yeah. And so this is an easy way to get Electro in there. Um you know, everybody has probably seen Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, for better or for worse. But uh, now they can just have him in like a post-credit scene in Spider-Man 3 and go, oh, you know, like they're doing the Morbius thing with uh, Michael Keaton. You right. know, they're just having him. I'm assuming he's not going to be a major player and just be in there for a flash. And then you're going to be like, oh, OK, so these guys are going to team up. And they did the same thing with Scorpion and what in, in the first uh, Far From Home or not Far From Home, Homecoming. Um you know, so they have uh, several members already, and this is an easy way to cram Electro in there without them having to do a whole other movie with a whole other villain backstory and everything else. Uh, that, those are my guesses. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. They're good guesses. I'm with you on those. I think that's all very reasonable. All right. Well, we've got some more news to talk about. So before we do that, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the Warner Brothers schedule, closing of theaters, and then the Ghostbusters franchise. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. All right, let's keep talking news. So Warner Brothers, their entire movie schedule has gone into upheaval this week. Today, really, for the most part, because of COVID. So James Bond, Bond 25, has officially pushed out of 2020 into 2021. Dune has officially pushed out of 2020. Black Widow already had pushed, right? We're starting to see more and more of these movies push out of 2020. Wonder Woman 1984 is holding on around Christmas still. And I think there's a couple other smaller, much smaller productions that are still holding out. A lot of rumors going on about Wonder Woman that it's going to be released straight to digital and everything else. I don't th- I don't buy into that at all. I don't think they'll do it. I mean, I if they were going to do it, they'd do it on something else, not one of their big tentpole blockbuster movies. Part of the problem with Wonder Woman is it was already delayed like almost a year. Yeah, it was supposed to come out like August of last year, wasn't it? Well, the the original release date was a December, but they moved it because they didn't want to compete with Star Wars at the time. And then, you know, everything just kind of fell apart at that point. But long story short, uh, Cineworld, which owns the Regal movie theaters here in the United States, has basically said that as of next week, they're going to shut their theaters back down because there's not really anything playing anymore. Uh, oh, Ryan Reynolds free guy is the uh, other kind of larger movie that's still slated for this year for 2020 there. Uh, I feel like or, that one I could see coming out on video on demand. Yeah. Kind. And I would consider paying for that one. It looks good. I would absolutely pay, pay to watch that. Cause I think it looks, it looks great. And the early reports are that it's actually one of Ryan Reynolds, if not his best movie. Um, but yeah, so Regal is, is big. They're not AMC big, but they are definitely one of the top players across the United States. They're pretty big. They, they are large. Not here in the Midwest, but. Well, AMC is part of the largest theater company in the world. So they're the AMC is number one. Right. But Regal is definitely like top three. And this is this is pretty huge. Now, Cinemark, AMC, they haven't said anything about what they're going to do at this point. But movies have not been doing well. Tenant has not made much money. In fact, Bill and Ted face the music has made almost as much money doing their straight to VOD release as tenant has made in its theatrical run. And they came out about the same time. That's not good (laughs) for, for a lot of reasons. So you're clearly not going to make, you know, black widow, wonder woman, James Bond. None of those movies are going to make $500 million on straight to VOD. Just, that's just not right. Going to happen. Right. So these movies have all pushed, because of this, with Regal shutting down, Warner Brothers has basically shaken up their entire schedule. The Batman has officially pushed to 2022. That one's my saddest one, probably. It is a little sad. It's it's not shocking at this point, but I mean, just running down the list here. So Wonder Woman still Christmas this year. The Matrix movies actually moved up a little bit. Um it's it's now December of next year, 2021. It was originally going to be a 2022, but Dune is pushed almost a full year to next October. The Batman is March of 2022. The Flash now is November of 2022. Shazam 2 has pushed all the way out to 2023. And Black Adam no longer has a date. Well, Shazam Gate 2023 is going to be fire. I tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm so sad about this because 
for the for everybody who listens you know how much of a dc fan i am you know how much i love these characters how much that while the dceu has a lot of problems i've really liked this cast overall and i've found some bright spots in these movies and damn if shazam isn't one of those bright spots you know i'm just so disappointed that it's 20 like june of 2023 three years from now is when shazam 2 is coming out i'm pretty right? sure the math checks out that your kid will be in sixth grade by that point so. <laughs> not quite not oh okay quite. My but she'll, i'm not great at math she'll she'll be old enough at that point to watch the movie and then give me her opinion of it <laughs> so. oh that's scary <laughs> we'll have her on the on the podcast there you go but like man i'm so bummed i'm so like, i get it i understand COVID's a big problem. These movies can't even film appropriately or at all in some situations. And the movie theaters are closed because there's nothing to show. They can't send these movies straight to VOD with the types of budgets that they have. Shazam wasn't that big of a budget, though. I mean, I'm sure they're giving a bigger budget on the second one, but... It was still 160. I mean, I... No, it wasn't. Wasn't it? Shazam? No, it was less than 100. Was it... Maybe it was a hundred. It might have actually been a hundred. It was like ninety or something, I thought. Because Shazam and Captain Marvel had similar budgets, if I remember correctly. I'll look it up real quick. But it doesn't either, matter that much. Either but... way though, let's say it's a hundred just for even numbers. I still think it would be difficult, not impossible, but difficult to make up the budget on I mean, TV to shows have TV shows have a hundred million dollar budgets now and they come out to on um, streaming services. So I mean I don't think that's too crazy. And especially if you're charging for the movie. You don't so, charge for the TV show beyond. Well, the number the number says at eighty five million. So maybe maybe that wouldn't be horrible if they haven't given it much of a bump. But Shazam may be the exception. Most of these superhero films are getting larger budgets, right? I can't imagine Pattinson's is that big. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Pattinson's Batman it seems more like an indie film than a Batman movie. Are they like a? You know what I mean? Yeah, the Batman is definitely much more grounded. But for example, uh, the Suicide Squad and Aquaman both got one. Those are not grounded. Yeah, those yeah. are much larger, different films. Plus, you have a whole group of people you're playing, you're paying on that. Suicide True. Squad. Yeah, and so like I don't know what Wonder Woman, 1984 got. I'm gonna see if I can pull. Well, that's that a up. tentpole budget but too. You would think so, but I'm just curious to see how big that one is. We don't have budget information on that one yet unfortunately but the first wonder woman film just for a basis of comparison its budget was 150 yeah so i mean i believe that but either way you know these these streaming services though are that's how they pay for these larger these larger budget shows right so 90 million dollars for the mandalorian season one or you know what was it 30 million for swamp thing no, Swamp Thing was like eighty million. Was it thirty million? That was the tax credit, and that's yeah. Why I, okay, you know, so those are pretty expensive, and they 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 are at the end of the day the most expensive thing on those platforms. Well, right? look they're, at Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings wow. thing that's coming out for Amazon. That's that's like crazy budget. It's like fifty million an episode or something like well, that. Well, no, no. So it's it's two hundred million for the first season, and the first season has 20, twenty something episodes. Okay, so it's but it's still a lot for it is. Yeah, it's the most expensive TV show ever made to date. Absolutely, and I mean even the Star Trek shows. The first season of Star Trek Discovery was eighty million. Yeah, so I mean I don't think it's unheard of to release a a movie that has a hundred million dollar budget onto a streaming platform, especially if you're charging twenty bucks or whatever for each. Yeah, but keep in mind these are also superhero films that like people get disappointed when they don't make five hundred million dollars or more. That's true right like justice league was a financial failure at 600 million dollars 
you know so you know forget the subject the actual quality of it aside just the numbers of it you know right. so these movies are meant to make hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars i mean what's the snyder cut costing at this point it's got to be there's some pretty... there's some weird reports the their initial reports were 30 million now they're saying maybe as high as 70 yeah and that's on top of what what they already paid for right when zack snyder was initially shooting so i mean that is none of this i don't know it's very wonky the way that they judge the success of these things on vod stuff but yeah but yeah the batman, the batman hurts me I, I i'm disappointed in shazam also because obviously i love that movie the first movie but uh the batman that first trailer i mean i was like man i'm gonna have to wait less than a year to see this essentially or around a year to see this and now it's i mean it didn't get delayed that much but it still hurts you know i mean it's a year and a half away now yeah instead of a year you know at the end at the end of the, like it, it was supposed to be a year this week this right. weekend right october 1st and now it's march 4th 2022 so it's a big delay you know yeah. it's a frustrating one but i mean i understand i mean this the lead of it got covid so you know you gotta be cautious of this stuff and i mean in the meantime we're gonna have more dc content on the streaming services i'm sure on hbo max you, know, you would it, think so. I mean, the Snyder cuts obviously happening. In fact, there's some behind the scenes shots of them setting up for the reshoots that they're going to be doing. So that's at least moving forward. But I don't know how many other shows they can continue to produce for the same reason that these movies are being delayed. Can you shoot Doom Patrol season three if you can't shoot the Batman? I don't know. I'm not yeah. in the industry. It's hard to say. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now you could do Harlequin, right? You could get a, another season of animated, of the animated Harle yeah. Harlequin show, right? And maybe that's why we'll see some more stuff. You know, they announced this weird Bat Wheels show where I guess there's superhero cars or something that are going to save Gotham and that'll be animated. So you can have a more flexibility from that standpoint because your actors can do it from home. I wonder if the Flash Copter is going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh the potential the potential <laughs> it's not a show i would have pitched myself but hey. no no but that's it that's where we are lots of movie delays lots of uh of that and nothing really to see at this point we'll see if free guy and wonder woman stick it with their december releases or push my money is on them pushing yeah unfortunately you know, or free guy may may do a, a straight to VOD release, but I, I don't see it actually releasing in full fledged theaters. I, maybe they'll try a hybrid method like Bill and Ted, but yeah, there you have. I it. guess we'll find out. We will indeed. All right, well that's it. That that is it for our non Ghostbusters segment this week. So we're gonna take one more short break, our last short break of the show, and then we will come back and talk Ghostbusters. We will be right back with you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Time for some Ghostbusters stuff. That's what we're talking about. We're talking Ghostbusters. Before we dive into the, the movies and, and all that kind of good stuff, we do have one piece of, of news that impacts a Ghostbusters actor, and it's Rick Moranis, who was the victim of a random attack in the Upper West Side of New York this past week. He seems to be doing okay. He was kind of, he was pretty beat up. He ended up in the hospital with some head, back, and hip pain, but he seems to be okay, and they have not found this person yet. And from the looks of the internet, everybody, including myself, is pretty pissed about it. Yeah, rightfully so. I mean, if you're going to talk about one of the nicest guys in Hollywood, according to, uh, you know, what we know about him, he quit his movie career so he could take care of his wife who was uh, affected by some sort of some sort of cancer and stayed with her until she passed uh, and then worked to raise his kids alone. And uh, yeah, I mean, somebody who put their family ahead of their career and, you know, has, I've never heard a bad thing about him other than they want to, people want to see him in more things and he's not really acting, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's a sad thing. It is. Yeah. So best so, wishes from, from us here at the screen heroes and the HBN towards him and his recovery and hopefully finding we're going to pay John wick to go hunt him down. <laughs> whoever this guy is. So yeah. absolutely. You know it. So, all right, well, let's get that. That's out of the way. Best wishes to him and his family. Let's talk Ghostbusters. So we've got three films plus another one on the way, right? Ghostbusters Afterlife is currently slated for March of 2021, assuming things settle down a bit by then from the COVID perspective. Because Sony has said they're not releasing anything until things are back to normal. That's like basically their exact wording. They are not releasing any movies until things are back to normal. So... I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but it may get pushed and I understand why, but and we'll it's, it's tough to even know, right? Cause right, right now theaters are closing. And so we don't even know what will be open in March for them to release into. It's that weird balance of the theaters won't open until there's movies to release and companies won't release movies until there's theaters to show them in, you know? So <laughs> it's a, it's a difficult time. So I thought, we could kind of maybe just go chronologically. Okay. Sure. You know, unless you as, as our ghostbusters resident expert have a preference. I have no preference. No. So okay. are we talking filmation ghostbusters too, or just the uh, Sony ghostbusters? <laughs> just, just the Sony ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. I, I've, I've never watched the filmation ones. Neither have I, <laughs> neither have I, I, the only thing I really know about them is that they had the rights to the name and I, uh, that was a very difficult thing during the filming process. You can, there's a really great, the, the movies that made us on Netflix, as much as we kind of bashed Netflix earlier, the movies that made us is really wonderful. And there's a great episode on the first ghostbusters movie that, that talks about that. So, so yeah, the first ghostbusters 1984 mm-hmm. is when it came out and this movie, I mean, I don't know, man, I, I don't even remember the first time I saw this Ghostbusters kind of like Star Trek has always been in my life. I've always been watching Ghostbusters. Do you remember the first time you saw Ghostbusters? I don't. Okay. I mean, I, I was born like a month after the movie came out. So 
I, I mean, I didn't see it in theaters, I'm sure, unless my parents <laughs> went and saw it and took me while I was like a newborn. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember more Ghostbusters 2 watching that as a kid because that was 89 and I would have been five years old at the time. And, uh, you know, that, that would be old enough and in the age range they were shooting for for that movie. So, uh, you know, yeah, I remember that one more than I remember the first one. I may not have even seen the first one until after I saw the second one. That's oh, wow. Possible too. Well, because the, the second one was also on TV a lot more often mm-hmm. once once it hit television. It because... still is on TV all the time. <laughs> Both of them are. Yeah, I, I definitely want because like I owned the first one, but I never had to own the second one because it was just on all the time. And so like we just recorded off a of TV or whatever. Now so... you can't really get them by themselves. You have to buy like a two pack essentially to get them. I mean, I'm sure you can get them by themselves. But most of the time, like if you go to Walmart or Best Buy or something, it's just a two pack Ghostbusters one and two. I had the DVD set of that, but when I upgraded to Blu-rays, I got them individually. Gotcha. So, which is the way to go. I've, yeah. I did the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, the first one I've got it, it's the, this is the 4K transfer that they have now for my non-4K TV, so it just looks great. <laughs> looks, yeah. Looks, is looks it a steel book? Uh, it is not a steel book. No, Blue Jewel. That's sad. Yeah. Bummer. I didn't know there was a steel book. There was a steel book. Yeah. I don't <sighs> think it has the 4K copy, but I have the steel book. That's a bummer. I love it was a limited stuff. thing, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's how all the all the steel books are limited. You know, if you don't know about them, they're gone. Yeah, just like that. True. So I'm curious because I know like you're you're big time Ghostbusters, right? Like you used to be part of a local group. And... I ran a local group. Yeah. I'm sorry. You ran a local group, and you've got a proton pack that's pretty much as screen accurate as possible. Mm-hmm. What, like, how can you define or can you define what got you? hooked to that level i don't know it's kind of a weird thing like i uh i i remember the movies watching them as a kid and i thought they were really cool and i remember the line from the second one about the uh guy the guy that wanted to get a proton pack for his kid brother or whatever and egon says it's not a it's not a toy and uh, i remember that as a kid and that was super frustrating because the proton pack was so cool and i always <laughs> wanted one and i have i had the the little kenner one and uh before Hasbro bought them out and whatever else. I still have my original ghost popper from uh, from my childhood, the one that shoots like the little Nerf uh, disc things. That's cute. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't a huge, my, my teenage years were mostly dominated by Star Wars, but then like when I got to be an adult and moved out on my own and stuff, I remember just like stumbling across someone that built their own proton pack and i didn't realize that that was a thing people did building things for movies i had never given it much thought and uh yeah then i was like holy crap i can actually own my own proton pack that's insane and so i did it i built my own proton pack and and it just spiraled out of control from there i built two more since then and i have built the car and i built uh you know i I have a business where my biggest products are from ghost or ghostbusters related um so yeah i mean it's i don't have really have a specific moment i mean in my adulthood i remember the place i lived when i decided to do this and i remember the morning that i discovered it and things like that but my childhood kind of blurry i mean i collected all the real ghostbusters toys me and my brothers did um i still have a lot of them but yeah i mean i it's just been kind of a the, the teenage years were a little bit less ghostbustery but in their my early years and in my adult years it's definitely been uh a dominating force in my life 
So when I was in first grade, I was living in Jersey and my best friend at the time, his name was Josh and he had all the Ghostbusters gear, all of it. He had proton packs and traps and, you know, the PKE meters, all of that cool stuff. I didn't have any of it. I had a couple of action figures from the real Ghostbusters, but I didn't have any of like the wearable, like actual stuff. Right. And so we used to go to his place and we would gear up because he had two of everything, I guess, so he could play with friends. And we would go into his unfinished basement and play Ghostbusters because there was like he had his basement had like this black tar stuff that kind of like came down the walls. And that was our slime, you know. Okay. It was as close as we were going to get. But I remember that vividly. And I always wanted my own Ghostbusters stuff. And I I never got any of it until I was an adult and knew you. And I decided to modify a spirit Halloween pack to make it look a little bit sharper. And now I ha- now I, I have uh, I have one of those. Not as cool as yours, but I'll but I also have one of those spirit packs. So I mean, yeah. they're kind of a hard deal to beat at this point. They also weigh a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it's my preference to wear that one versus my yeah. full size one yeah yeah because like the the alice frame and then i have like a wood board on the back of it that all weighs more than the actual pack does yeah <laughs> versus true. like your real one is what is like 50, 50 pounds, 50 pounds? Yeah. yeah that's hardcore man yeah it's it wasn't fun you know you start to like your traps start to swell after a while from all the weight and so you know, the next day I walk around looking like I have no neck, like a football player, because they're so swollen. It's not because I have actual muscle there. It's because I'm in pain. Sure, sure. But, yeah. Yeah. I much <laughs> prefer to. Or like the times I went to Dragon Con with the Ecto, where I just had to drive the Ecto and I didn't even have to bring my proton pack in the, for the parade or whatever. I, I just uh, got to drive and make everybody else walk around me in their Ghostbusters gear. So yeah, that's nice. That's a good gig. That's a preference. Yeah. That's a good gig. <laughs> just sit and drive. It's not bad. Yeah. So, okay, obviously the first one's like the most iconic, right? That's the one that that most people reference and remember, and it's the one that all the imagery is really from because it's probably the most like when you when you bring Ghostbusters up, it's probably considered the most classic. Like, if you're gonna talk about the movie, that's it. There's the other right. ones don't compare. The TV show doesn't compare. Nothing compares to the first movie. It was lightning that- in a bottle that's what people want to look for too. Like when you see cosplayers and stuff like that, nine times out of 10, probably more, that's what they're focusing on is the first film. You rarely see anybody do like the slime pack from the yeah. second film or, or any of the other from the second film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just don't see that as much. And yeah, there was a little bit of an influx from the 2016 film. Cause that stuff was very readily available, right. From a marketing perspective. But, but yeah, so I guess the question is what, what from the first film, really stands out to you what are like your favorite aspects of it that you think either the second one continued on and did well with or you think maybe none of the other films were able to kind of reach that same level i mean the the iconic scene for me is uh their first suit up scene when they go to the hotel to bust slimer um i mean that scene is it's just a perfect scene i mean from the beginning when they walk in the hotel and the the bellhop guy or whatever is like embarrassed he's like what's going on we're gonna be discreet right we're gonna be discreet and to the part where like where bankman is trying to price what they're charging and egon's (laughs) in the back going you know doing the subtle numbers and stuff oh man it was it's just everything about that scene is perfect and sure the cgi maybe isn't as good but the the type of cgi they used in this movie was totally different 
than what they had used before. And uh, the way they did Slimer and the proton streams and things like that, rotoscoping and all that was not like a super popular technology at the time. So, you know, all these things, the ghosts, I think still look pretty cool in most of the scenes. Um, you know, so there's a couple scenes of Slimer where it looks like an obvious overlay, but um, you know, like the librarian ghost looks really scary even today, I think. Um, you know, it, some of the stuff holds up really well. And I'm hoping that in Afterlife that the Proton streams still look that classic look. I don't want them to look super out, out of place, but I do want them to keep, you know, that same feel. And I think that Ghostbusters 2 kept that same feel. And a lot of the ghosts actually looked better in the second one because of technology. Sure. But answer the call, I think they went too far, if that makes any sense. Uh, with the, the effects they went the ghosts were cool looking but they went so far in the opposite direction to make them look like photorealistic mm. you know and super detailed that i think that took some away from it so i yeah i, I just rewatched all three movies in the last two days and i still think the original other than the the monster dogs the demon dogs you know yeah those, those were those didn't hold up super well other than them, I think the rest holds up pretty freaking good. Uh, but to be fair, the, the terror dogs, uh, they the scenes where it was like a practical thing and not like yes. an overlay, those look really good. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's when you can see it like running. Jumping out of the closet. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Then it doesn't look quite right. It looks, it, it clearly looks pasted on and the coloring and the shading doesn't look like it belongs in the same place. But I think everything else looks really, really good. I think the effects hold up. I think they still are iconic. I think they're unique. Nobody else has ever really done anything like that since unless they're parodying Ghostbusters. And I think that that's kind of important. And, and every the... cast member is perfect too. Like oh, well, yeah. there's not one person in that movie that stands out as bad. You know what I mean? There's not one weak performance in that movie. Which is almost, it's crazy to think that that's the case because it's such a strange group of people together. Like obviously you've got the SNL guys with Ac Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, right? But you know, you've got, um, you got Ernie Hudson, who's the outsider. He doesn't really know any of these other people. And he's already kind of upset because his role has been cut significantly from what the original script was going to call for. Mm -hmm. You've got Sigourney Weaver, who's really like only done pretty serious stuff up until now. Right. She's the alien person. Rick Moranis, obviously, is a comedic genius. But you have a lot of different personalities, very, very different people that had to come together and do a movie that was also just very different from what had been done before. Rick Moranis' role was supposed to be uh, uh, John Candy. Yeah, I don't think that would have worked. That's the thing is like all the actors that they said that were originally supposed to be in the movie, like Belushi and some of those, I don't think the movie would have been anywhere near this, as successful as it is today, as, as it actually was, if you had had those actors in those roles. Eddie Murphy, I think, was supposed to be Winston at one point. Well, he was supposed to be one of the original three was Eddie was. Murphy. It was supposed to be Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, and um and Bill Murray originally. Yeah, right. then he after was Belushi, after Belushi died. And then yeah. But come on. I mean Harold Ramis, you you knew him from Stripes before that. So it wasn't sure. like he was a complete unknown. And he was amazing in Stripes also. So yeah, I mean him and Bill Murray together was just perfect. Um, you know, and Dan Aykroyd was great. I mean it's it was just yeah. And I think again that's where uh answer the call kind of Bell. Um, not that any other anything is wrong with any of those actresses, but they 
and I've talked about this on the podcast before, and that I, I, I think that they tried to make it a gimmick, whereas they use four men for the first one, so they have to use four women for the second one instead of just taking the best comedians that they could find for that material and using them. Um, well, I, that, I think the big downfall is more that not only did they do that, but they basically are playing th- those four guys. Right. Right. It's the same four characters. And if, if you're curious about our thoughts on Answer the Call, which is the 2016 Ghostbusters, that's episode 30 of Screen Heroes. If you want to go all the way back to, to episode 30, you can listen to that. But you know, at the end of the day, all four of those characters are the same four characters, right? Yeah. They're filling the same roles. And I think that's the bigger detriment is they didn't try to just be new characters. I also think they didn't really get a handle on what was so good about the first one. You know, Paul Feig seemed like he, he had an idea of what was what was so good about the first one. But then then answer the call was mostly potty humor and queef jokes and things like that that were not those kind of things were not what made the first one good. They, it was smart for the most part. There was some dumb humor, too, but it was mostly smart humor and clever jokes in the first one, whereas answer the call even Ghostbusters 2 to an extent kind of wasn't wasn't as smart of a mm-hmm. comedy um but both of those kind of fell short and I think answer the call was much worse in terms of the like the bar for the for the it was all very lowbrow toilet humor well because like the original Ghostbusters is I mean it is a comedy but it's barely a comedy right right because it's really a sci-fi action film that has comedic moments amazing comedic moments but yeah i mean it's but that wasn't like comedy all lands it it all lands but it wasn't like the comedy is the backseat they were right the comedy is not the star the star is the characters and the story and the special effects and then there's these awesome jokes that are in there whereas in in two in ghostbusters 2 and in answer the call i feel like the goal was to make a funny movie that happened to be about ghostbusters right Right. And I think that's where the priorities got flipped. They ended up with this perfect balance in the first movie of this great action film. That's really fun. And they focused on, on the fun, which I I get, right. They wanted to make it more kid friendly. It happened in the Ninja Turtles, right. They wanted to sell toys and and action figures and all of that. But there's just, there's something about that balance. And the first one has the advantage of PG 13, not really being a thing. And you can have, you know, casual smoking and you can have a character. Casual? There's a lot of smoking in that movie. <laughs> oh, oh, totally. All the time. Yeah. Right? Ray is smoking in most of his scenes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most, almost everybody in the movie is smoking more than they're not. You know, and then you have like, I guess a lot of it circles around Ray. Really, I haven't thought about it. But like, you know, Ray gets, you know, sexual favors from a ghost at one point. Which is weird. Yeah. Which is weird. But and you he, have to keep in mind, Dan Aykroyd has a weird ghost thing in his yeah. like he's obsessed with ghosts and so they that's actually way cut down from what was in the original script so you can imagine how far it went in the original script oh sure a- absolutely it's just but what they were able to get away with and still get a pg rating you know it, that wouldn't be something you could do today right right and so they have a little bit of leeway there and then you just happen to have some of these care these actors who are just incredibly iconic actors yeah you know and that some of that's luck like the let's move like moving on to the second movie for a minute the second movie is better than i always remember it being i people don't give it here's the problem the first movie was so good that people are going to compare it to that of course right why wouldn't you it's the sequel but if you take it on its own 
it's still i know it came out in 89 but it's still a pretty dang good 90s uh, like comedy sci-fi movie it's still it's it's people don't give it enough credit and the message was really good i mean it, there were problems with it of course but but yeah when you compare it to one of the most iconic uh, movies of all time then yes of course it's not as good but take it on its own which maybe you were able to do this time um versus when you've watched it in the past it's still a pretty solid movie in its own right it is good i definitely think it's good and i i think it's just one of those problems of it being overshadowed so when you look back on it if it's been a little while you just remember how great the first one is and the second one, it's real shortfalls, I think, for the sequel, is that it rehashes a little too much because the Ghostbusters have to prove themselves again, right? They have to get locked up again and then get, you know, get let out again. Right. And that's not great. You've got you know, the, the relationship between Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. They've got it like that again. And I, I think that the other stuff, the new stuff, the, the evils, the, the mood slime and the, the possessed painting and the, the statue of Liberty scene was great. Oh, the courtroom scene is so good. The, 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 the brothers, Larry brothers, Larry brothers, they look so perfect. Even today, they look so good. Yeah. And that stuff They're is scary. Wonderful. And that's the problem. I think is that stuff is great, but the core of the film is basically a copy of the first one. Right. Which and has that's now gotten really popular with Star Wars and, uh, you know, some right. other movies. Yeah. But yeah, uh, absolutely. you're absolutely right. I think another part that if between, like, if you're comparing the first movie to, like, Answer the Call, another, or even the second movie, is that, like, the first Ghostbusters movie, this gear is, like, all experimental, right? They have no idea what they're doing with it, other than maybe <laughs> Egon and maybe Ray a little bit, but everybody else is like, I have no clue. And by the end of the movie, they still don't really know how to use it. You know, they, I think we need to cross the streams and, you know, whatever. But in answer to the call, by the end of the movie, they're doing like backflips and grabbing ghosts. They're doing like action. It turned into like an action movie. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge problem. Part of the charm of the first one is that it's just like four dudes <laughs> that built this gear and now they're doing something crazy with it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Busting ghosts and, uh, by the answer to the call it turned into like they they had it was prototype gear but then by the end they have ghost wood chippers and like they're doing crazy stuff with it it just it didn't have the same charm i think the gear looked cool i did like the way a lot of the gear looked at answer the call but but yeah well the the moment in the elevator at the hotel when they they switch on ray's pack and egon like kind of scoots into the corner <laughs> it's just Which is funny because if you've messed with a proton pack or built one there's no switch on that proton pack on the side there people call it in the ghostbusters groups the spangler switch because he just like does a flip motion on the side of the pack but there's no switch there to switch it on uh... it's actually on the thrower that's how you switch the pack on but some well, people yeah that's how they do it later in the movie too yeah, but you but if you actually look at any of the packs in any other scene, there's no switch there at all. I so, never noticed. That's interesting. It's there's actually like an Allen bolt, and that's what it, I think he's uh, kind of pretending to flip. But yeah, there's nothing there. But that that scene right there is part. When I talk about the hotel scene, that scene is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know that that elevator scene right there. It sets the tone. Yeah, for about the equipment and how ridiculous it is. You know, absolutely. 
yeah. Egon's a smart dude to be able to build this stuff, but it's still <laughs> super experimental and they could easily blow themselves up. And mm -hmm. yeah, so flipping that switch in that scene and everybody like slowly backing back. It's just everything that everybody does in this movie, even in the background, the four main actors or Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, it's all gold. You pick up things every time, something subtle in the background that you didn't pick up the last time you watched it. And it's yeah. all just amazing. It's what happens when you get four or six or however many amazing improv actors together and comedic actors or just amazing actors in general. I mean, yeah, it's like I said, lightning in a bottle. You, it's tough to compare. I will say I still to this day, I'm still frustrated with how they handled um, Winston and Ernie, Ernie Hudson's character in, in both movies, really, because I get that the original black guy was supposed to be Eddie Murphy and Ernie Hudson's not Eddie Murphy, but Ernie Hudson's a really good actor. And Winston's a cool character that I like a lot. I like his perspective of being the outsider who's not a scientist, who doesn't really know what to believe, but he's a bit of, of a religious man. And so he's, you know, he's willing to buy into this stuff. I like the character a lot and he is sidelined in both movies. And in the first film, it's understandable because it's essentially a recast. But by the second film, you know he's there. You're writing it for him as an actor. And he's still, like, when you look at the boxes for the movies, his name is not on the cover. Oh, also, like, the courtroom scene, which is one of the most iconic scenes of the movie. Where is he's he? He's not in. He's yeah. in it in the he's beginning. In. Yep, but then he disappears as soon and, as the ghosts show up. Right, he's gone. Right, and it's just... I can forgive the first film because of the train wreck that the production process was for that movie. And the fact that that wasn't who the actor was supposed to be. But by the second film, when it was all intentional, I don't, I don't really know what the excuse is at that point to not make him an equal character. I mean, at this, you have to remember that the, you have a frame of, frame of reference of the time period. Uh, you know, it's at the time that it wasn't casting a black actor for a, a relatively unknown black actor was not something that was as important to audiences as it is today. So you're looking at it from a 2020 perspective for a movie that was made in 1989. So, I mean, you could go back to the seventies and there's movies, you know, that are iconic that, uh, that have no black people in them. And, you know, it's, I know, but because he's in it, when you, when he's the only one who's sidelined, it's just, it, it's kind of shitty. Sure. And I mean, that could as much be the fault of the studio as it is the writers. You don't we don't know what got cut out, how much how big his role originally was in the second one. Maybe he was supposed to be there for all that stuff. And the studio weren't, didn't think audiences were, would respond well to it. It's hard to know who's at fault for that. But uh, yeah, I agree. And it's always been frustrating as a Ghostbusters fan. Ernie Hudson uh, is by far the most uh accessible of the ghostbusters to fans you know you if you're going to go to a convention and there's going to be a ghostbuster there's going to be ernie hudson every time yeah. because you know he's on cameo he's he goes to conventions he he's easy to get an autograph from or get in contact with um so and he he has his original flight suit fan groups have built him replica proton packs as gifts because he mentioned in an interview one time that he wishes he could have one of those proton packs there was a whole project back when i first started building mine my first one to get him a, a pack and everybody could con would contribute money or parts and they built him a super accurate pack, but he's always been like that. He's always been grateful because that movie basically set off his whole career. Um, the, and Ghostbusters too. So 
yeah, I mean, he's always been super good with the fans. So it's even more frustrating looking back now. But, you know, did they know all that stuff was going to be the case? No, they didn't know. They didn't know if he'd have a career after the second one. I mean, what did he do? Can you name anything he did between besides Ghostbusters in the 80s? Well, no, he was mainly a TV actor and it was stuff that I I didn't really watch because, I mean, I was born in 87. So I don't really know a whole lot of, of TV prior to that. Uh, unless it's you know star trek so right (laughs) so okay so then we have answer the call which is a 2016 film it got the subtitle later when it went to uh, video digital release and all that yeah it was originally Um, ghostbusters 2016 is what people referred to it as but just ghostbusters um i will say rewatching it last last night actually the most frustrating thing about it is actually when you watch it on home release they did this thing and I don't know what the process is called, but it's like a, it's like faking 3d where you've got the letterbox and certain things will pop outside of the letterbox to make it appear like it's three dimensional. And they would do that for like when they're, you know, the proton streams are, are being thrown or there's like a, one of the big ghosts comes on and part of their head may like extend above it. And it is distracting as hell. I'm just going to say that because it's not, that's not the script. It's not the actors. It's not even the special effects or the, or anything like that. It's just a really annoying gimmick that doesn't need to be in there at all. Yeah. I'm just going to throw I mean, that the Gimmicks are a problem with that movie just in general. So, I mean, the whole movie, in my opinion, was based on a gimmick. So like I said, it, and, and I, I've talked to Rachel about it and luckily she wasn't offended. I feel like that could offend somebody. So I'm sorry if you're offended by that, but I think, that going in specifically with the idea of using four females only and not considering anybody else is an issue for a movie that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that they're women. Like if it's a movie where it's all about something that is specific to women, you know, like uh, oceans, whatever the, that movie was designed to be that way and it was executed better than answer the call was oceans 13. Is that what it was? Or oceans Oceans Eight? eight. Hey, I, there's so many numbers with oceans that was from what i understand executed much better than answer the call was they didn't even from in my opinion get the best female comedians that they could have for this movie well and part of it is so oceans 8 takes place in the same universe as oceans 11 12 and 13 the characters are related to each other to some extent and so they exist together and one of the strange things about answer the call is that trailer aside for a minute it doesn't exist in the same universe as the other ghostbusters movies and i think that regardless of what the movie was trying to be or do that's just a wasted opportunity there's there's no reason like since the ghostbusters were a failure by the second film there's nothing that today they couldn't have been a failure 25 years after that or to have it take place in a different city like chicago or la or something and just have this exist where we know that they could they could bump into each other it's just a weird decision and unless the goal was the same idea that they had for the evil dead movies where they were going to cross over at some point i don't know that that's true ghostbusters multiverse i mean i don't know like an evil dead multiverse sounds ridiculous but that was what the plan was for the evil dead reboot and they didn't get to go that far because it wasn't particularly financially successful same thing here Right. And I just think it's a missed opportunity. You had all of the actors, almost all of the actors cameo, right. As different characters, different people, very small roles, right. Especially, I mean, Dan Aykroyd's role ironically is the smallest one. Yeah. 
which you'd think his would have been the largest because but... he's the one that created the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's been on board like with all of this stuff the whole time. So you'd think his role would have been a little bit bigger. And I don't, I don't... even remember what his role was, to be honest with you. Oh, he's a, he's a cabbie. And... Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. And he so... says something stupid. That's a reference to the first movie. Yeah. He, he says he ain't afraid of no ghosts. That's it. Yeah. 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 And like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a cute, funny moment, but you know, you got Ernie Hudson is, is the uncle of uh, Leslie Jones's character. Right. And Sigourney Weaver is like this scientist mentor of Holtz. And then Bill Murray is it's completely phoned in. <laughs> I mean, it was bad, man. Yeah. Was... But it's also like his is the largest part. He gets the largest part and, and he dies, which is what he wanted. Yeah, which is funny. He said yeah. he'd only do another Ghostbusters movie if he died in it. Yeah, that's true. And he does. Yeah. But it's just weird, you know. But across, the movie as a whole, I actually think is is decent. I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. I like the premise of a person create like trying to draw in these demon-like creatures to... You mean to, like Evo Shandor in the, in the original Ghostbusters universe? I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought that that worked. I, sure. You know? It worked. It was part of the, the whole original concept. I mean, yeah. was, they, they were channeling spiritual energy through a, a building that was built yeah. to be a, so, so I mean, it's so the I, same I thing. Think that, I think that works. I think that that was cool. I liked the technology. I thought that was good. And overall, I think the special effects are solid. I, I like the way the ghosts look in it. Um, I'm trying to think with the exception of the, the big bad, ghost that's based on the logo yeah. i don't really care for that but like the parade balloons looked really good and the flying monster creature and the dude on the stilts i thought that all was visually very strikingly good i thought it was too but it looking at it doesn't say ghostbusters to me right i think that was my problem was that it, it looked too good the original <laughs> the, the original movies have their own appeal and like you said a lot of the special effects and character uh, our character designs worked really well in those movies and still hold up. But like the Scolari brothers, for example, you know, that still looks great today, but those character designs are so different than what they used in the 2016 movie. That's my problem. I thought they looked really good. Like if you just showed me those away from Ghostbusters and said, this is what it looks like. I would be really, I, I'm very, I very love much like them, but I think that I guess they were trying to start a different Ghostbusters universe. So it's whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough for me to judge because of that. It is. It is. The opening, I think, is really good in the mansion and everything. I, I like the opening. You don't it's like the basically opening? basically a complete ripoff of the first movie with uh, the librarian. So, it I mean, it's, it's your problem was that Ghostbusters 2 hit a lot of the same beats as Ghostbusters 1, but then you don't have that same problem with this one. Well, no, no, no. I, I think the difference is Ghostbusters 2 was an extension that leaned too much on the previous one, but this was trying to start over. And so I expected them to redo things. That makes, that makes no sense. To sure. It does. No, 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 wait. When you're doing a sequel, you want to see new content in the same universe. Okay. Right. But when people reboot something, they tend to take aspects and literally copy them. Right. So I just was expecting that already. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, I mean, I, I understand where your logic is coming from. I just don't agree with it. Okay. Fair enough. I like the haunted house concept and the fact that this guy was like giving them a tour and he's got like little gadgets to make the place seem haunted. And then it actually is haunted. I thought that that just worked really well. Sure. 
I mean, it was fine. It was, it wasn't the worst part of the movie. <laughs> What's the worst part of the movie? I don't, the, the humor, I think probably just overall the dumpling or the jokes about the fucking dumplings or whatever it was, or the, <laughs> the it, soup, it hurt, yeah. yeah, the soup, uh, how it didn't have like the little pieces of uh, bread or whatever in it. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but the queef joke was like, come on. I mean, I, I, there's just a lot of the humor being so lowbrow. It was the most disappointing part to me. You know, mm -hmm. when I think Ghostbusters, I tend to think more clever humor, um, you know, or situational based humor that's not just jokes, right? Like a lot of the things that were funny in the first movie were funny because of the situation that they were in they weren't like telling a knock knock joke or something fair enough fair uh, enough that was the most disappointing part of the movie for me also the giant dance scene and how dumb chris hemsworth's character was i mean yeah. there was a lot of problems with that movie for me and i really wanted to like it the first trailer i actually or the second trailer i liked the first trailer just was confusing because that was the one that like in 1984 for scientists saved new york city and then it made you think that they were in the same universe yeah i don't use it for everybody i don't know who's to blame for that i don't know if that was just the trailer studio not understanding that it was a complete reboot or if it was somebody at the studio who the marketing team like there's any number yeah. of people that could be at fault for that but it but was that's just a, a big mistake it's a it was very, one of, that's a big mistake. It was like, I'm pretty sure at the time it was the most disliked video ever on YouTube. That trailer was. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's not really fair, but you know. <laughs> I mean, it just shows how much the property means to people. I know. I know. But at the end of the day, like it's, a, it's not, it's not the worst trailer I've ever seen. No, but I mean, as far as it being in relation to Ghostbusters and how confusing that was, you know, if I if that was the only trailer I had seen, and then I went and saw the movie, and realized that they're not at all connected and whatever else, I would have been pissed. Oh sure, no, no, no. I, I get that. I just meant like when people were downvoting that one trailer when it first came out, they didn't know any of that yet. Well, they knew that the original Ghostbusters were, or that that, that it wasn't connected, because they had already said that. Yeah, and that's why it was confusing. It was definitely exactly. confusing. Yeah. So okay, so we have one more movie coming out. We've got Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out in March. It's a sequel. It was supposed to, to have come out in June this year. Yeah. Or July, one of the two. Yeah, July, I think. It was supposed to come out in July. It is a sequel to the original two Ghostbusters movies. Directed by Jason Reitman, who's the son of Ivan Reitman, who was the director and producer of the first two movies. Mm -hmm. um, he also, Jason Reitman, was the kid in uh, Ghostbusters 2 at the party that says, my dad says you guys are full of crap. That's oh, Jason really? That's him? That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I so, I mean, he's he's been around Ghostbusters ever since he was a kid. He was on the filming. So, I mean, if anybody understands the universe better, or, or as much as Aykroyd or uh, Ramus did, it's him. Um, so, you know, the fans are obviously excited. More excited than they were for the, for the uh, answer the call, whether that's fair or not. Um, maybe the casual fans are not as, as as excited because they don't know the details, but um, yeah. And so there's been, you know, rumors and speculation and supposed plot leaks and all kinds of things. And I'll tell you that if what you liked about Winston was that he was like the everyman that just kind of bought into this, then you're probably not going to like him very much in afterlife um, because that character has changed a lot. If the rumors are true. 
Interesting. And well, also, I mean, Janine t- married somebody that you would not guess. Supposedly. Is it Dana? That would be a pretty... A lot of fans would be really excited about that. Uh, the thoughts of that, but no, it's not Dana. I, I don't really know what to make of this movie yet, right? Because it obviously seems like a handoff film more really than anything one else. trailer, I think, right? Or has it been two? Well, there's the really short teaser where they show right. the Ecto, but... Yeah. Yeah, there's. it's really only had one big trailer. Um, a really nice poster. The poster? There, yeah, it's a, the one with the Ecto in like the cornfield. Yeah. I, I think that's a great poster, yeah. Um, you know, there was a rumor that another trailer was supposed to drop, you know, a couple weeks ago because Hasbro did a big live stream announcing all the new Ghostbusters stuff. And uh, fans were disappointed that their, their supposed leak that there's going to be a trailer didn't come true. Um, but the merchandise for the movie has already started coming out. Um, which is always risky because then, you, you know, depending on what the merchandise is, it may ruin some surprises or it could just be fun toys that you can get ahead of time. You know, who knows, but right. Well, I mean, the big one right now for Ghostbusters fan is that they released a replica of Egon Spangler's, uh, particle thrower, the proton gun, whatever you want to call it. That's a pretty awesome replica. It costs a hundred bucks. And it has all the lights and sounds and everything. And uh, I mean, it even has the extending barrel, which a lot of the fan replicas, including mine, don't have. Um, so, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome for a hundred bucks. And that's been the big one. We're, fans were hoping that they were going to announce a full proton pack uh, for like four or five hundred dollars, but that didn't happen. So there's still time. It's possible. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's all the, the merchandise has already started coming out and, and it is different. The thrower is different than the original throwers. So p- people are speculating as to what, why that stuff got changed. Um, you know, the, they've been picking apart the scenes, looking at the proton pack and there's a couple hoses that are new. Um, also, the they've said in the past that the video game was not going to be considered canon once they announced this movie. But then the, the Spangler thrower that you can buy now has all the video game sounds and, and effects. So uh, people are, you know, there's a lot of rumors going on about that. Right now, uh, apart from a supposed plot leak, there's not a lot known. Um, the trailer is, doesn't give much away. Um, supposedly, Evo Shandor, he's referenced a couple times in the trailer. He's going to be the main... Uh, you know, focus for the for the new group of Ghostbusters. There was a Playmobil toy that got released that shows the McKenna or whatever her name is, the main girl, uh, her in a jumpsuit. So it looks like she's going to suit up at the very least. Um, and there's rumors that all the original Ghostbusters that are in it will also suit up for like a big climactic end scene, which including Dana, that would be awesome to see Sigourney Weaver finally suit I up. Just, I just don't understand how they talked Bill Murray into it. He hasn't it wanted to do this. Script. I'm betting it's because of uh, Ivan Reitman and Jason Reitman and, uh, and a good script. But I yeah, don't know. It's, they've been, it's your guess is as good as anybody's. Because they've been talking about doing a Ghostbusters 3 for a long time. They have. But in the original script, to be fair, it was pretty crazy. It was another Dan Aykroyd script. Like, if you don't know, the original Ghostbusters movie was written by Dan Aykroyd, and they had him them going to, it was like space Ghostbusters. They had like Ghostbusters franchise established on like multiple planets, and they like yeah. busted ghosts in space, and they had to bring him down from that. Well, the, the Ghostbusters 3, you can find the script online for the one that Dan Aykroyd wrote. It's out there, but it basically ends up with the Ghostbusters going into hell. 
and was pretty crazy. Um, and so I can understand why Bill Murray would not want to do that one. Hmm. As cool as that sounds now with all the gritty reboots and stuff like that, um, <laughs> it's a big departure from the other movies. So, uh, you know, it, I can only assume that this script was really good and that whatever role he has in it was fairly small. Um, I imagine we're going to see a lot more of Aykroyd and uh, Ernie Hudson than we are of Bill Murray, but fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think we're going to see a lot of any of them. No, I wouldn't think so. Is that at the end when they all come together, that's going to be like their big moment. Other than that, you might like get a phone call with them or like there's a, you know, they're, they talk to them for less than five minutes or something like that. I don't think any of them are going to play a big role. Yeah, that's fair. Well, look, we're way over time and we didn't even touch on the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters at all. Mm -hmm. and so just real quick i just wanted to say so for that um for some reason whenever like i close my eyes and i just picture what the ecto looks like it's the animated ecto Mm -hmm. i don't know why that is i'm not sure if maybe i just watched it a lot more than i remember watching it but that's what i see as the ecto and um i rewatched a few of the episodes on amazon prime to kind of prep for this and everything like that and um it still looks really good the animation's still really solid this the actual story content's not great but there's uh, some episodes that are really really good in our standouts um among the whole thing among the whole series so i'm sure when you get to those episodes but yeah overall it feels just like it's a bunch of you know child filler you know saturday morning cartoon vibe but like i said there's a few episodes that ghostbusters fans love and they stand out among the rest but that's why i don't really re-watch the cartoon because yeah it's it, there's nothing substantial there other than a handful of episodes yeah and that's fair but you can you can get them on amazon prime it's really cheap each volume is only like four or five bucks so you can get them digitally that way because getting them on disc is not particularly easy. <laughs> it's very expensive. Yeah. It was a limited release and people price it as such. Well, you can get the individual volumes that were released on their own. And then there's a set that's like a really low grade set of some of the volumes. It's kind of comp. It's very complicated if you want right. to get it on disc, but yeah, the one, the one like actual complete series is, like five six hundred dollars now yep it's insane so okay anything else ryan about ghostbusters that you want to mention or tell people or any if anyone wants to cosplay a ghostbuster do you have any recommendations for them on where to start uh it's kind of a really super complicated thing to build if you're going to build a proton pack from scratch but like the spirit halloween parts are really good and i definitely recommend those if you're going to do ghost busting uh, cosplay but uh, if you're going to watch the cartoons the best episodes in my opinion i don't remember the titles of them but one of them is uh, about the people busters uh where they basically go into an alternate dimension and they're the ghosts in that dimension and they're getting busted but are the, these other ghosts are like zombie looking ghostbusters with like slime tanks are trying to bust them um that's a really great episode there's also i think a couple of episodes with the boogeyman and egon that were really really good and uh anytime sam hain uh is in it is also really good but you know 
it's not it's not as good as you remember for the most part other yeah. than the animation quality is good dave coulier vo- voiced one of them for a while i don't remember if he did it the whole run or not but no he split it uh, i'm drawing a blank on who he split it with I, I i had looked because i was really curious who some of the voice actors were uh yeah, yeah he plays peter so lorenzo music plays peter for the first half of the series and i think what drives me nuts is he's trying to sound like bill murray yeah yeah it's not good and he doesn't sound like bill murray so you know i think if i remember right they like asked ernie hudson to voice his own character or he like put his name in for the role and they said he didn't sound enough like winston and so he didn't get the part yeah so they gave it to arsenio hall right um and then frank welker plays stance maurice lamarche plays spangler maurice LaMarche, yeah of course yeah. he's great so you know don't you can't forget about the extreme ghostbusters cartoon which is actually the one only one that you can actually stream the whole thing for for the price of whatever your subscription is it's all on hulu um it's i haven't watched it in its entirety because uh i don't know why but um it has a disabled ghostbuster um differently abled i guess i should say um a ghostbuster in a wheelchair um it has rat tail egon spangler rat tail 90s egon egon spangler um all the gear is really cool looking um there's a goth chick that's one of the ghostbusters it's it's pretty neat uh from what i have seen i just haven't finished it out in the series because it was never kind of like a canon thing that people talked much about but um yeah it's on hulu in its entirety so if you're ever curious uh it probably holds up better than the original cartoon does that's fair. And, you know, Maurice LaMarche is back in that, but he's joined yep. by uh, Tara Strong, yep. who most Her people follow. Roles, I think. Yeah, uh, which is really cool. Alfonso Ribeiro is in it who, from Fresh Prince. Billy West, who's done a ton of amazing voice work, is in it as well. So there's some good voice actors in the extreme. So you're going to check that out, right? So uh, I, I had planned to because I, I like the style. I think it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a passing of the torch. Uh, before you know before afterlife comes out it's kind of a passing of the torch style thing too so absolutely cool well yeah so that's gonna be it then for us this week i hope you enjoyed our ghostbusters conversation and happy halloween month because i love halloween and so i'm gonna be celebrating it all october long sorry that rachel wasn't here yeah she'll be back next week but we'll see we want her to make sure she's healthy enough and the baby is is uh taken care of appropriately Absolutely. We, don't, we don't want her to have to feed halfway through the thing and hear suckling noises through the microphone <laughs> no the that's time, not so. gonna happen it's not <laughs> gonna happen we've got we've got that all planned out we've got that Perfect. worked out it's just a matter of if it's, if it's next week or the week after so i'm not going to tell you what our topic is for next week because it'll depend on whether or not ray joins us but we will be back could be next suburban week. commando we'll could see. be could be who knows well you'll have to join us to find that's out right. or you know follow us on social media because we'll we'll be posting about it there Ryan, if people want to reach out to you and talk about Ghostbusters or anything of the like, how might they do that? Uh, you can find me in our Screen Heroes group on Facebook. All right. Or on Twitter, but I don't really post much. And I mean, I'll see your response, but I might ignore it depending on what it is. So, yeah, uh, at Buster Props on Twitter. And I'm, of course, at the Star Trek Dude. You can find us, the Screen Heroes Podcast, at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or heroespodcast.com. And yes, 
go find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Screen Heroes. It is a forum and we have memes and tournaments and posts and news and lots of great stuff. We live stream the show straight in the group so you can chat with us. Thank you to everybody that chatted. We actually had some nice uh, conversation and chat tonight. So thank Mostly you very much. Mostly thanks to one or two people, but so. you know, we see you. We appreciate you people. We do. We very, we very much do. But, you know, we are also just on your podcast app of choice. We are now available on Stitcher and iHeartRadio, as well as Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker. We are all over the place. You can hit us up. We have a wonderful link tree that will take you to everything. Just uh, go check that out. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. We'll catch you then. <laughs>